0: Hello and welcome to A Time to Live with Amanda Jane Cooper. Hey, that's me, and I am so glad that you are here. This podcast exists to be a breath of fresh air just for you. Whether we're chatting about Broadway or TV and film one week, interviewing guests with stories of hope, hearing from experts on wellness and relationships, having real talk, singing, and obviously laughing, through conversation and storytelling, we will learn alongside each other. And one thing I know for sure is that your time is really precious. So thank you for sharing it with me. And let's get into a time to live. All right, y'all, welcome to the podcast. We have a little change of plans today. I, Amanda Jean Cooper, am going to be my own guest. How exciting. (laughs) I'm here with my sound engineer, Jeremiah McPadden so grateful. Um, yeah, like I said, we've got a little change of plans and I'm here with me, myself, and I, uh, I've been thinking about doing an episode like this anyway. So it's kind of a cool opportunity, um, to just say hello, getting to know you, getting to know all about you. She's an Alto this morning, clearly. Uh, yeah. For those of you who, who I know already, Thank you for following my journey. I love you so much. Thanks for being here, for finding this podcast, for championing it, listening to it. If we don't know each other yet, hi. My name is Amanda. I'm an actor, singer, storyteller, child of God, living in New York City, and with a passion for sharing conversations of hope and encouragement. So I thought today that we might kind of delve into some of the questions that you guys have been sending in, as well as me kind of just like laying the groundwork of um, where I come from and and why I'm here today. What's kind of cool, so Jeremiah and I just started working together a couple episodes ago. He's in the room, and, but we don't really know each other that well yet. So <laughs> he's like, what if I oppose you questions because we, we, you know, these are things we haven't yet fully talked about Uh About, you know, where I'm from and my path and my journey so far. So I don't actually know what's coming here. I'm just going to take questions from Jeremiah and then we'll get into um, some of the questions that y'all have been sending in, which I'm so grateful for. So uh, what do you think, Jeremiah? Let's do it. (laughs) So I hear you're an actress. You hear that I'm an actress? Oh my gosh. Yes, it's true. Yes, I get to do what I love. I'm so grateful. I usually say actor. I just always have. I feel like when I was younger, I'd be like, you you know, people don't say like, I'm an accountress. I'm a lawyeress. <laughs> but either way, um, but yeah, I'm an actor, storyteller. Um, and it's been such a, a formative piece of my life, like discovering that I loved it. And, and ultimately deciding to try it on for size as, as a profession. So how did you get started in acting? I got started um, in fifth grade, OK? I was a very shy child. I grew up just outside of Philadelphia in a town called Valley Forge. I was just super shy, like really scared at recess. Uh, couldn't wait for the bell to ring so that I could go back inside where there was uh, a teacher and structure. And it's just super shy, but I remember, you know, my parents would listen to me kind of singing little tunes in the back seat in my car seat, and they're like, oh, man, she can really carry a tune. So cut to fifth grade. I'm going to a public school. Uh, There's a fifth grade musical. Everybody had to audition, and I, so I did. Uh, We had to sing this song called All the World Loves Music, and it goes like this. All the world loves music. Okay, wait, I'm going to try a different game. It's too high for the morning. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, let's start here. Uh, uh, All the world... What? How does it go? All the... All the world loves music, music. We all love to sing a happy song. When we hear that music, music, somehow we've just got to sing along. Oh, you can sing it high or you can sing it low. As long as you keep singing everywhere you go, you can sing any melody. As long as you don't sing off key. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I remember that. It's so crazy. <laughs> Literally fifth grade. But I... I, I added these, like, jazzy riffs to it. I don't know what the audacity, I don't know where they came from, but I added these kind of riffs. It was this musical called Steamboatin', which took place on, like, like the bayou, like, our Mississippi River. Honestly, I forget. <laughs> but we were all these, like, river entertain riverboat entertainers. I did this little riff, and the music teacher at the time, her name is Mrs. Messner, Mrs. Susan Messner, who I'm still dear friends with to this day, she looked at me and she said, who taught you that? She's like this broad from New Jersey, and I was like, "Ah, uh, I don't, I don't know." I was like, my mom like helped me a little bit, and you know, my dad listened to a lot of music growing up, and she took a chance on me. She gave me a role, which was kind of crazy for her to do because I barely spoke aloud. All the teachers were like, "What? You gave her one of the lead roles? How's she gonna do that?" But it was really a chance that would change my life. I started to make friends and I think also like putting on somebody else's skin was like a way for me to sort of come out of my own shell and I remember having so much fun. It was so fun and that's what started my passion. A couple months later, I auditioned for Annie in a summer program and I got the role of Annie which I feel like is such a classic like girl-kid role (laughs) that changed so many of our lives, mine included. Um, Yeah, I was a part of this summer program called MKM with Bob Morris, Glenn Kinkner, and Susan Messner at the helm. And they gave me so many opportunities to do what I love. I have so many teachers to thank. I just want to say that right off the bat. There's also a director named Mrs. Lisa Eaton, who was our director in high school. I went to public high school all throughout my schooling, and it just so happened that we had an amazing arts program. And the Drama Guild was specifically helmed by Lisa Eaton, and I will tell you what, she is just an anomaly of an artist. She just had this way of pulling out the best in us. Her creative eye and her direction and her, um, just the way that she led the Drama Guild, just it really changed my life as well as the opportunities she gave me with the roles that she cast me in. So thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Susan and Bob and Glenn and my voice teacher, Paul Adkins. <laughs> I could literally just like keep talking about all the people who, who changed my life. Um, but yeah, that's how it got started. I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to pursue it professionally though. Cause I was like very pragmatic. I was like, you know, if I, I, I don't know I don't think I was even I was like am I good at like am I good enough to do this professionally I don't know I mean I get a lot of like accolades at home and uh you know in my in my local community and that's wonderful but am I could I like actually do this in in the real world so um I got the opportunity to go to Carnegie Mellon's uh, pre college program which thanks to my mom uh, she like knew that Carnegie Mellon had a great program and she's like they have this summer program if you want to like try it on for size see if you like it and then decide you know if you want to try to pursue it so I I got to go do that I think it was my like I want to say junior year of high school is the summer after my junior year I spent six weeks in Pittsburgh doing conservatory training very similar to what I would eventually do in college and I loved it and I I just kind of sat with myself and was like okay I don't I don't want to turn 40 and wish that I would have tried and I don't I don't want to regret not just seeing what could happen and I love this and I think I want to go for it um some of you not, might know this about me because I do talk about it on, like, interviews sometimes. But I was very into student council, okay, you guys. I was a little politician in high school and even in eighth grade. Here's the scoop. Vote for Coop was my tagline, you guys. I put ice cream signs everywhere. Also, you guys know that brand, Cooper Tires, okay? Um, I put the word never in between those two words. So I said Cooper never tires, okay, when I was running for re-election. <laughs> I was like, "Can you please, guys, please keep hi- hiring me, <laughs> voting for me." Um, so I was very into student council. I was like president for five years, which was really a gift. I'm so grateful. If you're listening to this and you ever voted for me, thank you so much because it was such a <laughs> it was such a great uh, it was such a honestly it formed me a lot. But there was a part of me that was like, "Okay, wait, should I go into communications? Actually, should I go into some sort of like policy or?" something like maybe even broadcast journalism or just something like that. But I think what changed was was really going to the Carnegie Mellon pre-College and being like, you know, I I want to I just try. So college auditions came around. I auditioned for a bunch of different schools. I did not get accepted by all of them. I will tell you this right now. I sure did not, but I did get accepted to Carnegie Mellon and that was a dream come true. I got the, the, the fat letter, as they call it in the mail and um, really changed my life. So, and it was at Carnegie Mellon that I met Mr. Stephen Schwartz, who is the composer of Wicked. I don't know how big of a Broadway guy you are. Do you know this? Do you know Stephen Schwartz? Okay, well he's a legend. FYI, he's a legend. <laughs> and uh, he, he also went to Carnegie Mellon years before, very generous with his time and would come back and do these master classes for us. I was chosen to sing popular for him. Whoa, shaking in my boots. Now growing up, I had seen the original cast of Wicked twice. And I, it was one of the things that actually empowered me and compelled me to, to try. Cause so I saw Kristen Chenoweth up there playing Glinda and I, Especially back when I was like in high school, I really, our faces looked so similar. I would get it all the time of like, oh my gosh, you look like Kristen Chenoweth, which was such a compliment. And I saw her on stage and I was like, oh my gosh, there might be a place for me in this Broadway world. Like maybe there's a place for me even in this show. Like I feel like maybe I could, it, it, watching her and gave me like a, a vision of a path that was possible. So then having the opportunity to sing for Stephen Schwartz when I was like a sophomore or junior in college was a total pinch me moment. I was very nervous. I was very nervous. I wore a pink dress and I brought my sheet music to the stand and I sang popular for him. And right after he said, I think you might play Glinda one day. And I just about passed out. I was so like honored by that and excited and just you know, all the things. And he said, Hey, I think you should send your materials to Telsey, which is, which is the company that casts a bunch of different shows, but also wicked. At the time I didn't have agency representation cause I was still in college. So I literally sent a cover letter on pink paper <laughs> where I drew hearts and stars like all over it. I don't know why be bold guys, be bold. That's the story. That's the moral of the story and I wrote, I was like, hi, my name's Amanda. Um, Mr. Stephen Schwartz told me, or, you know, asked me to send my materials to you. So I included my headshot that was like literally from high school <laughs> and <laughs> it was my headshot to like apply to colleges. So it actually, it wasn't too bad. It's actually pretty cute. Um, and then my resume, which was filled with like, you know, what I had done so far, which was like shows from high school. So I sent that off and, uh, and that was the start of my journey with Wicked, which I can tell you more about later. But if you have any other questions you want to interject with, you can. One thing I love about the program is, so it's a double major. It's a acting and musical theater major. So it's really cool because we got all the actors training, which is all very intense, plus all of the musical theater side of it. So the dance and the voice lessons and, um, you know, the cabaret class and just all of the training that you would maybe need specifically for musical theater. But I thought that was really cool because they're like, listen, you guys are actors first. Like above all, let's let's delve into the into that aspect of it and the rest of those things sort of. You know, that has to be the most solid piece of what you're doing. It was intense. It was a conservatory. Basically, like, I didn't have to take any gen eds. I didn't take, I think I took, like, a history of theater class, which was more of your conventional what you think of when you think of like a college class with, like, you know, (laughs) uh, desks. (laughs) But I think that was the only class that I took where I actually sat at a desk. Everything else was, like, on your feet in a leotard. Um, Another thing I really appreciated about the program was for the first two years, students are not... It's a pretty small program. And I think they design it intentionally this way where for the first two years, they really want you to be incubating in your training and not competing for roles uh, or, you know, thinking like, oh, I got to... Just being concerned with, like, what roles you're getting. So for the first two years, you actually at night instead of rehearsing for a show you actually serve on stage crew in different positions so I remember I did like wardrobe for house of blue leaves I did like props for a checkoff play Um, I did a bunch of different things and it was really amazing I think especially like as you're training as an actor to get to see the other side um, of the curtain as it were or you know not the curtain, but, you know, getting to see all the other amazing things that go into to making a production. Uh, and then your junior and senior year, you auditioned for the main stage plays. Um, and it was actually, I feel like my life really changed junior year when I was uh, cast as Little Red Riding Hood in Into the Woods by Kent Gash, who came to direct us. And it was the first role that I'd ever really had to explore, not had to explore, but got to explore comedy in, like, a real way, and it changed my life. I was like, oh, wait, what? I love this. I'm discovering the mechanics and the science of comedy, but also the truth of it. Like, what makes something funny? And I don't know, I feel like I just learned so much about that what we find funny oftentimes or what we're watching is just like um, an extreme expression of the truth. So how do I be honest with what this character needs and wants, but take it to a 10 in her desperation or take it to a 10 in her reaction, but keeping it truthful. So anyway, I just like learned so much from from him, Kent, and also from just playing that role. Well, I did a play called The Inspector General, but also a musical called How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. But, you know, I, I had a principal role when I was a junior. So my senior year, I did not have a principal role. And I played Miss Crumholtz, who's like a supporting character. Not a ton of lines, but let me tell you, I made her backstory so elaborate and if you don't know what a back I think most people know what a backstory is but you know I made her history and her desire and her want and why she was at this company and who she wanted to be like uh so intense I had the best time I had like probably like four lines but I had the best time it taught me so much about character work and about commitment um yeah and senior year was actually the year that I auditioned for Wicked the first time. So it was April of senior year. I got called to New York. I hadn't graduated yet, but I came here, auditioned and, um, it didn't get it at that point. You know, I, I auditioned, I went in, I was like so nervous and they're like, thank you so much. You know, it's not going to work out at this time, but we look forward to seeing you again. Uh, and I would come back in October of that same year. So this was 2010, came back in October and, it was, it was just so cool, I have memories of them. You know, Wick had sent me to the Gershwin to work out some song stuff with Dominic Amendum, who was the MD at the time. And they connected me with my now voice teacher, Joan Later, And it was like, they were really, you know, setting me up to succeed. I was so grateful for that. And I went in like four or five different times, you know, callbacks and all of that with an increasing number of people behind the table. Uh, final sort of audition was in November, and then I got a call in January that said, hey, do you want to be, my agents called and said, hey, would you like to be Glenda on the first national tour? And I said, yes, of course. So that was my, the start of my journey with playing the role. So that was after your senior year, after you graduated? Yeah, so it was 10 months after I graduated, I went out on the road, um, for the first time. I was on tour for eight months and, you know, I've shared this publicly before, but it's just so, I love, I don't know, I love sharing, I love sharing it because I hope it can encourage somebody else. But So I had all these dreams come true um, at the age of 22, which was such an honor and such a blast and such a gift. But what I didn't realize was this sort of reckoning that would happen with, with getting what I wanted. I didn't realize that all my life I'd kind of thought, oh my gosh, okay, success is what makes you matter. Success is the determining factor of your worth, of your value, of your importance. Success is something that you must achieve. Uh, I didn't even realize like I, that I had that narrative scrolling. <laughs> Uh, but then I got what I wanted and everything on the surface was great. I had everything that, that I could have dreamed of at that time. But on the inside and in behind closed doors, my personal life was just an absolute wreck. I was dealing with a very rampant eating disorder that I started suffering from my, freshman year of college so at this point it had been years uh and it put me in a lot of isolation and secrecy shame embarrassment hatred of myself um and I was also acting out in ways to get attention from people to validate myself because it was like almost like I like to say like I I think that there's a god-shaped void in each of our hearts that can only be filled with God. But we try to stuff it with other things like validation from romantic relationships or hookup culture or, you know, substances, getting high, getting drunk, you know, um, getting the big job, like making your mark. Like we try to fill that bucket with things that actually don't belong there and are not going to fulfill us. Um, And I think that's what I really did. I didn't have a sense of like inherent worth and value and dignity for myself, which then ultimately reflected on some of the ways that I would treat other people. So I wasn't the person that I wanted to be and I wasn't the person that a lot of people just assumed that I was because I had this like shiny title so it was really cool to see how God like took this sort of like broken me and took her to this place that she had a year and a half prior been like oh I think I want to live here and it was in Los Angeles where my life changed in a major way um So I moved out there with the intention of like, you know what, I'm just I'm going to do the TV film thing. I'm going to shoot my shot there. I'm going to like have kind of a clean slate from some of the mistakes and stuff that was happening in New York in my personal life. And I went to L.A. um, And so just for some context, my first two professional jobs were actually um, films the first two things I ever got paid to do were, were movies. So one of them was with Sarah Jessica Parker and Dennis Quaid called Smart People. The other one was called Homecoming with Misha Barton. And it afforded me the opportunity to get my SAG Aftercard, uh, which is the you know film TV union, um, which then afforded me the opportunity to join Equity because it's like a sister union. And at the time, you I don't know if you can still do this, but I was able to just join equity even though I didn't have any equity credits. Anyway, this is for all you theater and acting nerds out there who like to know the uh the details of all these ins and outs. I am also a nerd, so I'm with you. Anyway, I moved to Los Angeles and like a month later booked um CSI with Ted Danson, which was such a an Elizabeth shoe, which was which was such a gift. And I started booking I had a really good streak. I was, like, testing for projects. I was, you know, chemistry reading with Tim Allen in finals for, like, Last Man Standing. And I was on Glee and Jesse and Hello Ladies and all these things just kept happening professionally, which was really great. But I feel like it was almost God's way of keeping me in L.A. because he had a more important, bigger work to do than just, like, my, you know, giving me jobs. (laughs) Um, and so my first couple months living out there, it was, it was pretty chaotic because of the choices that I was making, but also some choices that I didn't make. Um, it was a hard, it was a hard few months, even though it was kind of like a prosperous few months. Um, and I, I started getting really exhausted. I, I, by my choices. And I put myself in a lot of really dangerous situations that I look back on today and I am like, literally God saved my life. Literally God protected me. There's no other explanation. I made a lot of bad choices. And I happened to be at this this party one night, which ended up not be a bad choice (laughs) because it was at this party that I met, um, someone named Alice, who would then become a mentor to me. And basically, I just felt this safety with her. Like, I was so exhausted by my life. I was like, I need a change. And I told her everything. I told her everything about the patterns of promiscuity, about the substances, about the uh, shoplifting, which I've, you know, shared. I've shared with her about my eating stuff and just various different addictions. And she heard the voice of God that night say, don't lose track of this one. Now, there's a passage in uh, the book of Luke. It's found in Luke 15, 3 through 7. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country? And go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. So basically, this idea that God is a pursuer of us and he comes after us one by one, specifically, and she just felt the sense like, don't lose track of this sheep, like don't lose track of this one, and uh, and she didn't. She she loved me with a intentional, sacrificial, wise, uh, there for you kind of intentionality and guidance that literally was a the hands and feet of God. C- intervening in my life to save my life not only for eternity which is like a whole wild concept that took me a long time to understand but also for here and now to give me abundance and and a new way of living and a new purpose and a new identity as his child and not as you know a gal who had some cool jobs Or, you know, a gal who needs to be approved by man in order to feel good about herself. So I accepted Jesus into my heart and gave him my life in July of 2013. I was baptized. And I will tell you what, I saw so much healing in my life. He brought so much healing to in like really, really miraculous, fast ways in in a lot of cases. Like just in the realm of how I was using my body that completely changed. I made a decision to wait till marriage. Um, my mindset about it completely shifted and it was like a joyful choice and a choice that I was so excited to make. And, um, you know, those destructive behaviors of, of being really egregiously, you know, uh, wrong towards people really changed, like the shoplifting and the lying and just all the things that I was in patterns of sin about. um, He pulled me out of those and showed me a new way. And I think it's like through the forgiveness that he gave me and and the belovedness that I understood that I had in him, I was able to see that belovedness in other people. And I was really convicted about the way that I had been before and really excited and like all in about trying to really live in the way of Jesus um, and like knowing that he was going to help me every step of the way. So It was just amazing. And, you know, I had mentioned my eating disorder earlier that had been such a stronghold in my life for, at this point, six years. And it took a little longer to unravel that, to kind of get to some of the roots of why I was um, abusing my body that way and why I was turning to that, um, to binging and and purging or binging and starving or binging and over um why I was stuck in that physiological and psychological and physical pattern. But I am here today in a place of complete freedom. It is a miracle. I could literally cry like, I have been on the kitchen floor feeling like the agony of a post- binge moment with like tears streaming down my face of like literally like an addict like you would think of with other substances um and I think now about how I'm able to make choices out of like freedom and like just stewarding my body and I sometimes just have to like pause and say oh my gosh I can't believe it's just like normal for me now to to not stress about this. It's normal for me to, to make choices that are um, intuitive and like respectful to my body. So if anybody is out there struggling with any of the things that I've listed, there is hope. Uh, Jesus is just waiting for you to accept him and ask him to heal you. He is mighty and big, but also at the same time, in the mud with us. Like he's acquainted with suffering. He's acquainted with what it is to be human and the conditions that we face here on earth. And he longs for us to live in freedom and have our identity come only from what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Only what they say about us. Only what the word says about us. So that's an encouragement for you guys today. I hope it helps. So yeah, I was so grateful for the transformation that is it's unending I mean it's not like I've arrived uh, in this you know any kind of any kind of perfection or anything like that but um, I got to show up as to really serve instead of let me see what I can get out of this it was like oh I've been entrusted with this how do I steward the role as well as these people who I love you know how do I how do I serve? So it's was just a completely different mindset and so much more joyful, so much more fun, so much more free. And it was the best. And thank you to those of you who are listening to this. And if we met while I was on the road in your city, hi, thanks for being part of my journey. Uh, while I was in my last tour city in Schenectady. There'd been a little bit of talk of like, maybe I was going to move to the Broadway company, but it was sort of, I was just waiting for that final answer. And I remember sitting in my hotel room in Schenectady at the coffee table, writing goodbye cards to my cast and crew and team. And because my contract was was about to be over in like two weeks. And I had... My laptop behind me on the couch, and I was sitting on the floor writing thank you cards at this coffee table. And I heard this prompting, like not an audible voice, but like this prompting of like, turn around. And I turn around. Now, just to give you some context, I had music playing. I forget if Spotify was, it was Spotify or something else, but it was on shuffle. So it was like, random quote-unquote music playing so I turn around and on the screen of my laptop there's my email and at the top of the list there is a subject line in all caps that says Amanda Jane Cooper wicked Glenda Broadway offer and in that moment I'm not kidding you guys the music shuffled to a new song and it was called You Are Mine by Mosaic MSC sung by my friend Brooke Figueroa and my roommate right before I left to do my dream again and she was the one to say Amanda I really think you need to go you need to go and follow this dream and this is your time and be brave and go and I just sat there stunned and weeping. And I just put my hands up. I didn't even call anybody. I literally just sat there and I worshiped the whole song. And I thought, God, you have brought me through so much. I can't believe this gift that I'm getting. Thank you so much. And um, I'll never forget that moment. It was, it was just so undeniably like orchestrated to be it was like he was like this i've got you you know we were in it together and he'd seen me through all of this um the ups the downs the everything so i got to move back to new york in may of 2017 to prepare to make my broadway debut on july 31st 2017 alongside my very first alphabet that i worked with in 2011 jackie burns when I tell you won't he do it it was also a few months later that I found out that I would get to be staying for the 15th anniversary and also shooting the new commercial uh, which was just this above and beyond crazy amazing gift to get to experience my closing night uh, on Broadway for that run, because I've, I've since been back, praise the Lord, it was so fun. I got to go back in February for um, a couple weeks. But my closing night then was December 9th, 2018, which was exactly three years after i had had a redemptive tour experience. So December 9th, 2015 to December 9th, 2018 come on, you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) So I'm just really, really incredibly grateful. And it's like, I can't tell the story of my career so far without telling the story of how God changed my life. And so if you're listening to this and you and you follow Jesus and you have given your life to him, I hope this is an encouragement to you and just like a testimony. But also for those of you listening that just don't really know where you stand with God or you're wondering or you're exploring spirituality or you you just don't know, I just want to say you're so loved and God is crazy about you and he's literally pursuing you right now. He wants your heart. He's known you your whole life and way before then. He's purposed you for such a time as this and he wants to be in a relationship with you. If your soul is longing for something more, I would venture to say that it is Jesus. He's been the most fulfilling, refreshing, hope-giving, life-affirming, gentle, powerful, healer, Father, friend, I could ever ask for. Um. So yeah, like I said, coming at you guys from New York City, where I currently live uh, with my husband Andrew. That's a whole story. I don't know if y- any of you have been following us, uh, or me. He's he's private on the uh, on the social medias but if you saw our wedding story of uh, crazy beginning of COVID Zoom wedding slash courthouse slash, oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we were married at the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, maybe I could get into that story uh, on another episode. But for now, let's look at some of these questions that have come in. All right. We have a question from Lily. What is something that keeps you grounded during tough times? A favorite Bible verse? Yes, I have two to share with you. Something that's been striking me recently is that Jesus is acquainted with suffering and the absolute like comfort of that that he understands me and that he's with me. Two things that I cling to. 2 Corinthians 12:9 Says, but he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Mm. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. His grace is sufficient for me. Also, Psalm forty-six, one through three, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. I'm going to say that again. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And that scripture means a lot to me. What suggestion would you give to a musical theater student? Hello, musical theater students. Remember that your path is going to look different from anybody else's. What we do is not a linear thing. There's a lot of professions that are quite linear. You go get this certain degree, you get this grad certification, etc. you start at the entry level and then you work your way up the company. Our profession is just not like that. It has many twists and turns. It's got lots of uh, <laughs> mountains, valleys, um, seasons of drought, seasons of plenty. Uh, so just as you go, do not trust <laughs> just in yourself. It's important to you know have confidence, but I would say what's going to really help you is to trust that God is working and to really invite him into the whole process, whether it's your training and then when you're auditioning and as you continue to train. I think another thing would be like, don't stop learning. Keep refining your skill sets. But there are some jobs that I have not booked. And what's beautiful to see is like the bigger perspective. Like there's just some things that – Aren't gonna work out and that's okay. What what's the bigger what's the bigger picture? And I, I have some beautiful stories of like, you know, I didn't book that job, but I did meet this gal in the waiting room, and we had an amazing conversation that was really encouraging, and she was in a rough place and I got to speak life into her. So it's like just continually ask. How can you serve? So it's like serve the story that you're going in for, serve the team, but also like serve your fellow performers, right? Just show up as a light. Um, also, we love esteem. So get yourself a, a, a Vix or a My Pure Mist <laughs> for vocal health. Take care of yourself vocally and uh, mentally and physically and spiritually. Kara asks, what are your simple joys? Family and friends are a given. Yes, family and friends are a given. Um, Okay, Simple Joys here in New York. Listen, there's a waffles place. It's called, I literally don't even know how to um, pronounce it. It's called like Dingies and Waffles, Dinges and Waffles. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's the best waffle place. D-I-N-G-E-S and Waffles. There's one in Bryant Park a simple joy. Isn't it a freaking miracle that we have taste buds and we can taste all these glorious foods? It's, that is a simple, but also profound joy. Mm, Lindsay, the curated coach says, how have you seen God shape your identity this year? Guys, this year specifically, I feel like more dependence on him. I feel like sometimes I can be sort of like, okay, achiev,e achiever, gotta do it sort of personality and I am learning to invite God into like even small things and also like I've come to this place and I'll continue to to get there but something that's really transformed this year in my identity is like it's okay it's okay to depend on God because that's that's reality you that's you know we we're we're like meant to depend on god so i feel like there's been a little bit of a softening in my uh sort of grip (laughs) on life that's more of a posture of surrender and dependence um irish cal asks how do you grow in confidence (gasps) i have confidence in sunshine i have confidence in rain okay but really um Community is a huge part of this. I feel like sometimes in isolation, a lot of times in isolation, we can forget what matters most and also what is true. So surrounding yourself by people who are going to um, edify you, sharpen you, lift you up, remind you of the truths that are most important and precious. Also, it can be really powerful to have declarations literally written in your space. So whether that's scriptures that really anchor you, or um, like I have recently put up this piece of paper on my bathroom mirror with five different declarations of things that are true of me and that I'd like to remember. And it's really helped to renew my mind. So I would suggest doing that. Sometimes having a physical thing rather than having it all be in your brain um, can be really helpful. Kara, fun blooper, moments, or memories from Wicked. Let me tell you, Kara, there are some times that we go to what's called the White Room, and that is when you forget your lines. It's not a fun place to be, but it is something that happens because theater is live and we're not robots. (laughs) So there was one time that I was at the top of the Kiyomako stairs in the second act that I came down the stairs and I'm supposed to be like warning Alphabet that they're coming for her. And I forgot what I was supposed to say. And so I just gave a lot of grunts, uh, a lot of uh, 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 that kind of thing for what felt like five minutes. It was not five minutes. It was probably more like 10 seconds. (laughs) Um, There is a moment in popular where I am... Using a magic wand to try to make Alphaba's simple frock into a magnificent ball gown. And um, not to give any spoilers, but it doesn't go the way she wants. And so she tosses the wand off stage. Let me tell you, there have been like three or four times when the wand has ricocheted off of the light tower just off stage back onto stage. And it's been pretty hilarious. I actually love when stuff like that happens because it's just real. It's just in the moment and you just get to respond with spontaneity and truth. So <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for some of your questions. I'm sorry that we can't get to all of them in this session, but guys, thank you for being here with me myself and I and Jeremiah. <laughs> hey, with myself as my guest. Um once again, would love for you to follow, rate, review all the things, preferably with five stars. But you know what? I'm not going to tell you what to do. Thank you for being here. Be encouraged. You are loved. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Bye.